This special presentation of Earth 295's award-winning documentary, The Age of Apocalypse, is brought to you by the Janet Van Dyne Foundation for This One's for Hank, with financial support from Patreon backers, and additional support from viewers like you. If you'd like to know more about Multiversal Q, visit us at multiversalq.com, or engage with us on social medias in all universes. Enjoy. Episode 5 Link's Rage You've tortured and killed a lot of people over the years. So tell me, how's it feel knowing you're about to die? Clarice Ferguson Clarice Ferguson had grown up in the age of Apocalypse, shaped by the hate that Apocalypse's rule had incorporated into her life, but also with the compassion that Magneto's X-Men had provided. Saved early on in her life from the slave pits by Sabretooth, the reformed former horseman became a father figure, teaching her what she required to survive. Yeah, Blink was a very, like, unique individual. A person, one of the only people in the X-Men who were actually born after the Age of Apocalypse. Being rescued by Sabretooth really gave him and her a very powerful connection, as she saw him, like, as, a, as more of a father. But despite this harsh environment, Blink was not immediately hardened into the warrior one might expect. Instead, she was even almost removed from the X-Men after disobeying some of Magneto's orders by actually killing the Impossible Man, who was a dignitary from the planet Pop-Up. Determined to actually like rectify the situation, she buckled down and tried to become a much stronger leader in the X-Men in order to prove herself as one of the best. Her attempt to enter into the good graces of Magneto sent her into the negative zone, a sub-dimension where she had hoped to recruit the Balurians, a race that also sought to depose Apocalypse. Unfortunately, her plans failed as her trip to the negative zone left her with amnesia, and shortly after, she fell in love with Amur, a rebel who was seeking to overthrow Blastar, Lord of the Balurians. Soon after, the pair were captured, and Amur was, was revealed to be Annihilus, the former ruler of the Negative Zone, who had been reverted to a human form. Clarice escaped, but was unable to save Amur from transforming back into Annihilus as the Negative Zone returned to war. Having lost her love and the potential allies, Clarice returned home with more maturity. After she had sent Sabretooth and Wildchild to fight Apocalypse, Clarice and the team soon found the Pharaoh Mutant with the location of the nearby infinite processing plant that was owned by Holocaust. The X-Men invaded and quickly found Sabretooth chained to a rock, savagely wounded from his fight with Holocaust. After the raid began, Clarice faced Holocaust, defeating him and sending him into the tanks of genetic material, while the rest of the team fought to free the captured humans who were being harvested en masse to create alpha mutants by harvesting them for a rare chemical inside their bones. Holocaust was not down for long, though, and returned to fighting Kevin Sidney, a shape-shifting mutant known as Morph and Rogue. 
An errant comment on Apocalypse having Charles, Rogue's son with Magneto, destroyed Rogue's self-control, and she quickly began pummeling the son of Apocalypse. Holocaust teleported away with Bobby Drake, also known as Iceman, risking his life by pulling Rogue out of the teleportation field, calming her down and preventing her likely death at the hands of Apocalypse's army that would have waited on the other side. Meanwhile, Sabretooth, recovering from his injuries, met back with his adoptive daughter, and the team stood ready to destroy Apocalypse once and for all. The Madrai Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If the Madri come before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Children's Prayer The Madri were an organization that stood at the heart of the Empire, second importance only to the infinites that were Apocalypse's standing army. They were born from the mutant Jamie Madrox, whose abilities to create individual clones of himself had been perverted by the genetic manipulations of the beast. The clones had been designed to be blank slates, shells that Apocalypse could mold to his need. While the Madri were one of the few part occult composed of his clones, there were a few exceptions, such as Richter and the Brotherhood of Chaos. Cloaked in robes for worship and armor for battle, the Madri were the eyes and ears of the Empire, a religion bent on worshipping Apocalypse from their cathedral base in Quebec. The Madri served a variety of purposes in the Empire of Apocalypse, from being priests who never saw combat to handling information that could not be trusted with other mutants. That was the benefit of having people who were, for the most part, the same. While there were some Madri who were outliers, who had personalities that could not be correctly affected, they were rare and were quickly disposed of. But until that point, they were some of Apocalypse's most trusted servants. As Pietro's team reached the cathedral, they found themselves confronted by the father of the Madri, Jamie Madrox. He was a prisoner who prayed for the release of death as more and more of his energy was sapped for the massive army of the Madri. As the Madri swarm closed in on the other X-Men and Bishop, Pietro was troubled by the ideal of killing an innocent man. Pietro and Sean Cassidy soon found themselves greeted by the Horseman Abyss, who was out for revenge. Abyss found himself in his area of power, as an early confrontation with Sean Cassidy had left the mutant with the fear of Abyss. The Horsemen fed on that fear, and Pietro's fears over the fate of everyone else on the team, as well as Bishop. Ultimately, Abyss provoked Cassidy to a fight, destroying a good portion of the castle with his sonic powers, killing Abyss and himself as the cathedral crashed around them. Despite the sacrifice made by one of his friends, Pietro still debated leaving Jamie alive, but in an act of self-immolation, Jamie used his remaining energy to destroy all of the clones, leaving the Madri across the globe as empty shells. The remaining X-Men returned to the X-Men mansion in Westchester County with Bishop. They were victorious, but Pietro was emotionally broken. Nate Gray Those who witness what happens here can only watch in awe of Nate's raw power unleashed. It is as though after hearing all their lives that no one would ever come forward from the darkness that Apocalypse has plunged them, there stands before them a ray of light. Forge. Nina Thurman had confronted Essex and the remaining members of the outcasts inside the barn. She was the mutant with the power to manipulate luck, and was joined by Caliban, 
a mutant tracker, and Grizzly, a bestial mutant known for his penchant for mass murder. Her luck-based skill is paid off as her own men attack the outcasts. Mastermind and Toad, less designed for combat, were quickly killed, though Domino's own agents also met their fates at the hands of Forge and the other remaining outcasts. Domino's distraction for the loss of her team members allowed Nate to end up attacking her. Using his psychic powers, Nate forced her to relive the deaths of everyone she had ever killed, leaving Domino a shattered husk and showing Nate that he was prepared to face Apocalypse. Domino was a very sick and sadistic individual. She used her powers of skill and luck to try and increase her own ability to kill, especially for Apocalypse. Apocalypse knew that Domino was the best because she would be able to take out opponents quickly and quietly, and was able to quell other mutant uprisings and any other sort of human interactions that might have caused disruption in his empire. Shortly after the fight, Forge discovered the body of Brute and his murderer, Mr. Sinister, waiting to confront the leader of the outcasts so that he could guarantee his mentorship of Nate. Sinister then casually murdered Forge, whose cries for help brought in Nate. Seeing his weapon against Apocalypse repaired, Mr. Sinister revealed himself to Nate as his creator, along with revealing Nate's ultimate purpose, to destroy Apocalypse. In a rage, Nate attacked Sinister, killing him, before heading off to face his destiny. Nate reached out to find a Magneto, who he had once psychically stumbled onto before, and now found the leader of the X-Men captured in the Citadel of Apocalypse. Upon arriving there, Nate felt drawn to a pair of mutants and found his genetic parents, Scott Summers and Jean Grey. Meanwhile, Sinister got up, believing the wounds to be illusions allowed by his shape-shifting body only to find that he had actually been heavily wounded for the first time in ages, and he would be left to die alone. Though his mission had been completed, as his weapon to destroy Apocalypse had been sent after his target. Come together. He knows Holocaust. Stare into his eyes. Look for that trademark fire of defiance. See instead the smoldering ash of defeat. Apocalypse. The reunion of the mutants at the ruins of the Xavier Mansion was bittersweet. Pieter and Catherine had rescued his sister Ileana, but at the cost of their students. Nightcrawler had returned with destiny, but at the cost of Avalon and his mother Mystique. Gambit, Lila Cheney, and Jubilee had been successful in their mission to capture the Mkran crystal, only to be betrayed by Guido Caracella, one of their own members and Alison Blair and Benet du Paris had lost Charles, the son of Magneto, who was now held in the Citadel of Apocalypse at the heart of his empire. They were soon joined by Sabretooth's team, returning from Chicago, and the destruction of Holocaust Infinite's factory, where the team had almost fallen apart. Meanwhile, in the Midwest, the Human High Council had begun their bombing runs, killing millions heading to the East coming for Apocalypse. At the same time, in the former New York City, Apocalypse stood resolute with Magneto, his son, and the Mkran crystal all in his grasp as the sea wall started to move forward, an act that without defenses would kill the Eurasian population. And here we have 
the preparation for the ultimate conclusion. Apocalypse had everything that he needed in his hands, in his grasp, and he could have ended the X-Men here. If he had murdered Magneto, if he had murdered his son, if he had taken the Imkron crystal, who knows what he could have done. Luckily, the X-Men were there to stop him. Meanwhile in heaven, swarms of infinite soldiers came to shut down Warren Worthington III's club due to his acts of treason. Warren was resolute and made a stand, igniting his club before escaping, looking for Shan Koi Men. When he discovered her, he found that she had been processed into an infinite. With nothing left in the world but a life, he sacrificed himself, destroying the shield generator that would allow the X-Men and the Human High Council to attack directly. The pieces had fallen into place and only needed to be assembled. A failed start. I'm off to a land of dreams and schemes. Ta-ta! Give my regards to Ragnarok. Henry McCoy. Using Blink's powers, all of the X-Men were united in their final raid, hoping first to open the slave pens, only to find them empty, the result of Jean Grey and Scott Summers' concerted efforts. When the X-Men then reached the Imkron Crystal, a further complication occurred. Destiny learned that only herself, Ileana, and Bishop would be able to enter into the Crystal, since they had no counterparts in Bishop's timeline. Now, who knows why this might have happened. Still, little is actually known about Bishop. He claims to be from another timeline, but magically, he does not have a counterpart here on this Earth. But as this also comes into effect, we start to see that potentially Destiny and Ileana were dead in his timeline if they were to be the only two that could come with him. Everything seems to be kind of curiouser and curiouser as they also happen to be the two like key pieces to the puzzle for trying to undo of Apocalypse's actions that only they would be the ones to be able to go with him. Nate Cray, now claiming his biological mother's last name as his own, stormed the Citadel, freeing Magneto as the X-Men sought to protect the Imkron Crystal from the waves of infinites and mutants still loyal to Apocalypse. Ileana's powers were unlocked with help from Destiny, allowing her to send Bishop home where he was not seen again, and the world did not end. Piotr, meanwhile, went into a frenzy, worrying about his sister's disappearance, forcing Remy to kill him in front of Ileana, who had just returned from inside the crystal. The final battle. Survival of the fittest, indeed. You preen imposture as if you were the first dictator to discover the concept and stake the world's fate on its nonsense. As a child, I heard the very same babble from a Berlin house painter. A madman whose Aryan race tried to wipe out all that deemed dirty or impure. And do you remember who won the war he began? The weak, who rose in righteous triumph to overthrow the strong once and for all. Your day, Apocalypse, has indeed come and gone. Magneto. Meanwhile... Jean Grey and Scott Summers led the former captives out of Apocalypse's Citadel as the Human High Council's bombing moved over what had once been New York City. Jean moved to protect the city with her psychic powers, only to be shot by Alex, who then shot and killed his brother Scott. In a fury, Weapon X killed Alex and then went to cradle his love Jean as she died. Nate Grey, meanwhile, met with Holocaust and the two fought. 
In the battle, Nate attempted to impale the Son of Apocalypse, but instead stabbed him with a piece of the Emcran crystal, which teleported both of them away into another dimension. And as Magneto faced Apocalypse, he performed a gambit as he stalled to build power, until finally he was charged with enough energy to rip Apocalypse in half, killing Ansabanur and ending his empire. The massive magnetic wave released by his power echoed through the city, disrupting the weapon systems from the Human High Council's bombing run. And for the time being, the world was safe. The Age of Apocalypse was ended, with great cost and casualties, but it was over nonetheless. Aftermath For the next few days, the world was in shock. They had been freed from the Empire of Apocalypse, and now they are free to start their new lives in that aftermath. Roving bands of infinites still roamed the countryside, now beasts without masters. The massive wave caused by the seawall's movement struck Europe as a tsunami, tossing the continent and the survivors living there into disarray and preventing the Human High Council from taking immediate control. The nuclear fallout from the Human High Council's attack had irradiated a large portion of what had once been the grain belt of the United States, leaving them without easy-to-grow food. At the time, fewer than 1,000 species still existed on the planet. But if nothing else, it was a start where humans and mutants could come back. With the Human High Council in disarray, the world looked to Magneto as its leader. Assembling the mutants and humans that he could, he found those gifts that would benefit the world that he had been left. The earth that was not meant to be, according to Bishop, had now grown to a world where humans and mutants could live together. You've been listening to the Age of Apocalypse miniseries, presented by Multiversal Q. To find out more about Multiversal Q, go to multiversalq.com or find us on social media. If there are things that we got wrong, you're probably thinking of another similar but slightly different universe. Have a wonderful evening.